Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, welcome to Southside Online. I'm so excited to be able to hang out with you today, and I just want to say a big thank you to you for taking time to join with me as we open up God's Word together. I like uh, what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He said, uh, we loved you so much, writing to the people in Thessalonica. He said, we loved you so much that we gave you God's, not only God's good news, but our own lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And Paul Paul in, in the, his day was kind of doing essentially the same thing we're doing, except he was writing letters to people, and instead, we're videoing letters to people, and you're the recipient of that, and I'm just so thankful that you would take time to do this with us, hang out with us as we talk about what it means to find community. Here at Southside, we want to build real followers of Jesus Christ, and I believe that happens when you know God personally and intimately, uh, when that leads you to find community in, a, in, a, in God-centered small groups and biblical settings, serve teams. Uh, we want you to do that because we want you to grow deeper in your faith, which will in turn uh, develop discipleship in your life and I believe in the lives of others. And, um, and that helps us make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where we are. And so today we're simply talking about the we factor. And uh, it's better than the me factor. The me factor, a lot of times in life happens when life gets turned upside down. If you turn the word we upside down, you get me. And you, it's very easy when life gets difficult to turn inward and focus on yourself. But I think the power of relationship with Jesus Christ and, 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 and a growing relationship with other believers, finding community in a local body of believers in a church setting, I believe it has the power to turn the me upside down, back to a we again. And that's where we experience, we experience the transforming power of biblical community. And we see that lived out. Paul describes it for us in Romans. The book of Romans is a great book to read if you want to understand the basics of Christianity and your faith in Christ. And the first 11 chapters, he does that. He does that so well. It's one of the greatest uh, descriptions of the gospel message and Christianity that you'll ever find. But there's a change from Romans 11 to 12. There's a hinge and the hinge is what allows you to open the door from information to application. And so the hinge is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And this is what Paul says. He says, I beg you. He says, well, therefore, therefore, by God's mercy. And God is rich in mercy. And I'm so thankful that he's rich in mercy because without God's mercy, all you're left with is God's wrath. But God is rich in mercy, and we know that because of the person, Jesus Christ, the God-man that gave his life for you and me. It says, therefore, by God's mercy, Paul said, I, I beg you, I urge you, I plead with you, I'm trying my best to convince you to offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice because that is holy and pleasing to God. How do you please a holy God? Offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but one that is alive, but serving him. And Paul says that's your, that's your spiritual worship or your reasonable act of worship. It's the least we can do. And then he says, don't be conformed to the pattern that this world has for us, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because that's where we can prove and test and discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God for our life. 
See, in order to transform what we do, we must first transform how we think because what we think determines how we behave. So if you're not happy with the way life is going, if we're not happy with the things that we're doing, how do we shift that? How do we change that? Well, Paul says we gotta renew our mind. It starts in our mind. It begins actually in our heart in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, and then his word and his assembly, his people begin to pour into us, speak into us. We begin to grow in our faith. And there we begin to renew our mind. And so if we want to transform what we do, we've got to first transform how we think because what we think determines how we behave. And so what we're talking about this week, and it's a continuation from last week, is how do we have real biblical community? And we're just looking at one chapter in the Bible in Romans 12, and we're adding some other scriptures in with that, but it's very applicable because if we want to have real biblical community, what does that look like? And last week, I just shared some action steps with you that are found in Romans chapter 12. He said, don't lag behind in passion or zeal. We want you to be passionate about your relationship with God, so don't lag behind there. Eagerly follow the Holy Spirit. Instead of following the devil, the flesh, the world, he said, be passionate about eagerly following the Holy Spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve God in some capacity. Do that. Rejoice in hope. Rejoice in the hope that God is yours, he is in you, you are in him, he is working all things together for your good, and God in his mercy gives us hope. And not hope that we think or pray or might consider seeing something happen. This is biblical hope, which is a confident expectation that not only is God going to show up, but he's going to work for your good and for his glory. And then finally, he says this. He says, don't just rejoice in hope. He said, I want you to do all of these things with love in your heart. And so we continue with this right here with four other statements about how to have real biblical community. Paul gets, again, he's still continuing in his application of the theology and the doctrine that we saw in Romans 11 or 1 through 11. He says, don't just rejoice in hope. Don't just serve the Lord. Don't just eagerly follow the Spirit. Don't just lag behind in zeal. Don't just surround everything in love. He said, I want you to be patient in times of trouble. Isn't that difficult? If it is, if it, it, it's, I'll tell you the place, here's where I struggle with patience. When I drive my car, oh, I just struggle with patience. I told Candy the other day, my wife, as we were driving, or I was driving, we were in a car, I said, why can't people just get off the road when I drive? And she's like, you're gonna have a heart attack. You need to calm down. You are way out of control when you're driving. So, so you know, I have to learn patience here, which is a fruit of the spirit. But you know, I feel like I have an, I have an excuse. They didn't have cars back then. I mean, they didn't have to deal with what we have to deal with today. All right, so it's added a whole nother element to us. But, In all seriousness, Paul said, be patient. Be patient in times of trouble. This is what he says. Don't quit. Don't quit in hard times. We got to learn how to endure suffering. Don't rebel and accuse God. We've got to deepen our trust in him. Because God is too loving to be unkind and he's too powerful 
to be defeated. It's just not possible. In the book of James, James writes a letter and he talks to us about being patient in difficult seasons in life. And this is what he says. He says, consider it a great joy. Consider it a great joy, my brothers. Whenever you experience various trials, I'll tell you a common theme that you see throughout the New Testament, <laughs> and, it is, and it really throughout the Old Testament too, is, is nowhere in the Bible are you promised an easy life, an easy road. I mean, we can start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation, and people that experienced God moving in their lives in powerful ways experienced him through difficult trials. And so when Paul writes to us to be patient in times of trouble, it's very difficult to do, but it is a practical way to deal with life because life has its own problems that come to us on a daily basis, it feels like. Consider it a great joy, he said. Whenever you experience various trials, great. You know, I, it's, it's, when was the last time that you, when you laid down a line, when you went to bed at night, you just, you just said, Lord, thank you for this terrible day. I'm just so thankful for the trials that I've had. I'm so thankful that you're teaching me patience and you're helping me experience suffering today. Whoa! Or when did you, when, when have you got up in the morning and your feet hit the floor and you said, yes, it's gonna be a terrible day. You know, no, nobody does that. None of us want that. We want to live a good life, a happy life, a peaceful life, a safe life. But there's not a lot of growth that's found in those times, are there? And so here, James and Paul are now sharing with us what it looks like to be patient in times of suffering. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to consider it to be a great joy whenever you experience various trials. Knowing, knowing, you can know this, you can count on this, you can bank on this. Knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces endurance. The testing of our faith, it produces endurance. Because that's what, that's what we learn in difficult times because you and I are still breathing today. Thank God for that. That's great news. The alternative is not as good other than we get to go to heaven. But here, he said, God's giving you another day, another opportunity to learn, to grow, to get better, to get stronger. And we learn more through difficult seasons than we do through good seasons. I promise you, people learn more from my failures than they do from my successes. And the same will be true for you. And he says, you've got to know that the testing of your faith, it produces endurance. Another version says it produces patience. You want to learn patience, you got to go through things that help you learn and experience patience. He says, but endurance or patience must do its complete work. It's got to have its complete work. Jesus said in John 16, he said, I promise you in this life, you're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations, you're going to have pain, you're going to have sorrow. He said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. 
The big picture here is that Jesus has overcome the world. If the, he's overcome the world, he's overcome the God of this world, he's overcome the, the, the problems of this world, he's overcome the sin of this world, he is the overcomer. And if he is your God and he is your savior and he is your Lord, then, then you are an overcomer because of him. And he said, you gotta let endurance, patience have its complete work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. It's a, diff, it's a difficult thing to go through, but there is fruit in it. See, only a believer who has made the decision to be a living sacrifice can maintain zeal and patience in affliction. Patience and passion. That may be, maybe we need to change the word to maintain passion and patience in affliction. Because we've given the right to control our life over to God. I'm a living sacrifice, it's not my own. And so the problems and difficulties that I go through, I have to trust and know that it's a holy God leading me in a place that is maturing me and preparing me for another place. And so I don't want to lose my passion or my patience in times of affliction. So be patient in suffering. He says in Romans 12, he says, do not stop praying. Don't stop praying. The word actually means, it means this, be persistent, pray even harder. So don't stop praying. As a matter of fact, pray even harder. And this is what Paul says in Romans chapter eight. He says, in the same way, the Holy Spirit of God also joins to help in our weakness. The Holy Spirit of God, when you say yes to Jesus as your Savior, he gives you a, 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 a deposit. He puts a deposit in your life. It's the Holy Spirit of God. He convicts us. He encourages us. He helps us. He walks with us. He matures us. He completes us. He does all of these things. And that happens and we experience that through the, the growth that we find in his word. As a matter of fact, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine fruits that he deposits, he puts in your life. And the, the, the job that we have is to help those things grow. In order for us to see fruit from trees or plants, we have to cultivate those things. We have to cultivate that, make sure it gets water, sunlight, the nutrition it needs so that it can grow. And, 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 a lot of, and then you have to cut it back and you gotta prune it and so it'll do it again. All of these things, the same principles apply in our life. Here, Paul is writing a little bit earlier in Romans, he said the spirit joins with us in our weakness because Sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings when we're broken, when we're hurting. Sometimes when you pray, you can just say, Lord, I don't even know what to say. I'm hurting. I'm, 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 I'm broken. I, I'm this, I'm that. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God knows exactly what you need, knows exactly where you are, and he will intercede on your behalf with, 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 with groanings that really match where we are. And he who searches the hearts knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He goes on and he says this, because of that, he says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. 
There's that phrase again, we know. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. See, I believe that nothing adds more passion and purity to our lives than the power of prayer. A lot of people just don't know how to pray, don't know what to pray. Pray this. Jesus, his disciples didn't know. And Jesus said, pray like this, our Father. Our Father that's in heaven, how holy is your name. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, pray like that. Pray that way. He said, but, but whatever you do, be persistent. Be persi- or be patient in times of suffering. Be persistent in prayer. Don't stop praying. He says, give to the needs of others. Here's a fact. God just, has a, just, God just simply has a bigger shovel than you do. He just does. He just got a bigger shovel than we got. He's able to pour blessings and abundance in and through our life and, and be a means of his giving and, and, and to others that you can, I can even possibly imagine. And, and as we talk about giving to the needs of others, some people have the gift of giving, but for every person that follows Jesus Christ, we have the responsibility to give. And so Paul, in writing this, when he says, give to the needs of others, what's he talking about? He's talking about contributing to the needs of the saints. Take care of God's people. The thought here is actually pursuing opportunities that that lead to to biblical community, that help bring people in, that help take care of those. Because here's reality. In their day, when you made a decision to follow Christ, it cost everybody something. Everybody, it cost them something. And they had to pull resources. They had to come together. They had to support people. They had to help others. It was not a welfare state. It was a godly state. that was like, we're gonna reach out to you. We're gonna help you. We're gonna sacrifice for you to help you because that's what family does. He says, give to the needs of others. In 2 Corinthians 9, he said, remember this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly because you're going to get what you, you're going to reap what you sow. He said, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not because of somebody else, but or, or out of necessity. He's saying God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we put a smile on our face. God loves a cheerful sufferer. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful prayer. Look at what he says here. He says, and God is able to make, look at every place we see the word every. God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. That's a lot of every's in one sentence which overemphasizes the fact that God can be everything that you need when you need it. It's powerful. See, no one can lose who follows God's pattern for giving. It's our time, our talent, and our treasure. It's some of the greatest opportunities for growth that's presented to you. 
I was 19 years old when my pastor challenged me in my giving. I was already given my time. I was already given talent. I was participating and serving in the church. I was reading my Bible and growing in my faith. And my pastor said, this is an area where I want to challenge you. I was a broke college student. He said, it's not about how much you give. It's about the heart with which you give it. I want you to practice the principle of living off of 90 and giving 10. And so my wife and I, we were not married at the time. We were dating. We were, we were growing in our faith. We pr- began to practice that principle. And over the next 30 years of our life, we have seen God do more and more and more simply because we've learned he's got a bigger shovel than we do. Paul's call there is give to the needs of others. See, this whole passage paints a picture of a follower of Jesus. See, he enjoys his relationships with others. He shoulders his responsibilities to others. And then, because of that, he becomes increasingly more and more like the Lord. And the final thing Paul says is pursue hospitality. The way, he mean, the way he describes that is be inventive in hospitality. Create ways to gather and to interact and to build relationships with others. Paul writes this, in, or actually Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Create an environment of godliness and friendliness and acceptance and love. He goes on and he says, based on the gift each one has received, use your gift to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. It's a great story. I I, I put it here because I wanted to just read it to you. It's about the Roman emperor, Julian. He was one of the fiercest persecutors of the Christian church. And he said one time in disgust, The Christian cause has been specifically advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers. He said, it is a scandal that there is not a single one who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans, these were Christians, care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. He said, we should be doing that, but we're not. While those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render to them. What do we learn from that? Simply this, that our love should not consist of mere words. Our love must be matched with action. See, the kind of biblical community that we're talking about It may be rare and hard to find, but when you make efforts to cultivate it, to grow it and develop it in and around your life, it can be life-changing. What we see in this passage in Romans 12 is that real community occurs when the real you meets real needs for the right reasons in the right way you want a a formula for life change 
Let the real you meet real needs for the right reason in the right way. Offer your body, your life, your heart, your soul, your mind, your body to God today and say, God, here I am. This is me offering what I have to you to use in whatever way you can. Offer your time to God in his word. Pray, ask God to help you, but understand that it's gonna come a lot through suffering and difficulty. That's where we're gonna find him. Be patient, be persistent in praying. Don't lose hope. Keep giving, keep serving, keep loving, keep being hospitable. And let God Mature you, complete you, and finish his perfect work through you. I hope you have a great week. I hope this is a powerful week for you. And I pray that through these moments, you'll experience the power of God in a real way. Listen, if we can help you, serve you, minister to you in some way, let us know. Let us know and respond to us through the links and, and just say, listen, we, I want to be a part. I want to learn more about Southside. I want to come to Commerce or Redstone. I need help. I need a Bible. Let us help you grow deeper in your faith. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text JESUS, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the Give tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the Give section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.